0: Section 4 is beyond blessed to have what I believe to be the most prolific, passionate preacher of our generation. My personal favorite preacher. I say that in private. I say that publicly. I know of no preacher that preaches with more anointing passion, and power than the man that will preach to this great section on this wonderful evening. Brother Wayne Huntley is the bishop at the Temple of Pentecost in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tonight, he's in Kennett, Missouri at First Church to preach to section four, what thus saith the Word of God. Put your hands together and receive the best preacher to preach to us tonight. I love Brother Wayne Huntley.
1: I believe we can have church if we can get Brother Sharon excited. If we can just get him fired up a little bit, I believe we can have some church. And I love that consistency of that fire. It's been that way ever since I met him, as long as I've known him. It's one thing to get a fire going, but it's something else to keep it going. Would you commend him for keeping that Holy Ghost fire alive and burning? I love it. What a joy to be in this portion of Missouri and be with all of you folks. This is somewhat of the my estimation, kind of like the cradle of Pentecost. There's so much history here, longevity of apostolic doctrine and revival. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to stand here tonight and speak. I appreciate this weekend of celebration for the pastor and his wife and family. The church did a marvelous job this morning, acknowledging and thanking God for what they have meant to this church. And all of you, you need to celebrate your pastor and thank God for a man of God in your life. I've always enjoyed that when the boy Samuel received his call from God in the midnight hour, the Bible said he arose and went to Eli and said did you call me the beautiful part of that is I really believe that the voice of God ought to sound like the voice of your pastor when he heard the voice of God he thought it was his pastor I tell you when you hear your pastor you're hearing the voice of God clap your hands and thank thank God for a man of God in your life I appreciate the words of encouragement from Brother Sheeran, and it's a privilege to stand before you this afternoon and preach the Word of God. So good to be with Brother Williford. This morning I made my expressions of how long back we go, and uh, there's, there's nothing like old friends to age together, to see the blessing of the Lord upon our lives, and I'm thankful tonight that he's able to be in this service. and It's been a great benefit to me and enjoyment just to be in his presence and to share that fellowship. I would say this to you as you grow older in life, and especially you that are young here. Let me say this to you. Make sure that in your life you, you develop friendship. You need friends. You need friends. And the Bible qualifies how that happens. He that would have friends must show himself friendly. So you just break through all those inhibitions and awkwardness and backwardness and rebuke that in Jesus' name and get you some friends because they're more valuable than money they're more valuable than money thank God for friends and the United Pentecostal Church is blessed with great friends and all the ministry that is before me in this audience tonight on this platform it's a joy to be with you when I first started preaching I wanted to be an inspirational preacher and then I was preaching a meeting out west, far out, long time ago. Nobody will know who I'm talking about, thank God, that the individual I referenced has gone on to his reward. And I'm sure he didn't mean anything bad about it, but it just spurred me. I was preaching a youth camp out there, and, and at lunch one day I was sitting around several young young people, young ministers, and, and he said, uh, Brother Huntley, and I'm just a young preacher, he said, if I had your fire and my wood... I believe I could really preach. I don't really know what he was saying, but I know what I heard. That all I got is fire, and he's got the wood. So at that point, I thought, well, I probably should try to become an informational preacher. And so I began to try to become an informational preacher. But in my seasoned years, where I am now, in the last number of years, I no longer just want to be an inspirational preacher or an informational preacher I really want to be a transformational preacher yeah. by that I mean when we get through a church when we get through with a message it should be something that stays with you the rest of your life it's not cotton candy i I've never liked cotton candy when I was a kid I didn't like cotton candy you pack your jaws full of it like a chipmunk. And when you're ready to enjoy it, there's nothing there. You bite your tongue. I mean, it's gone. I don't I don't like cotton candy preaching. I don't like cotton candy church. In the next little while, I want to have some church. That will cause you to be blessed of God the rest of your life. The rest of your life. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 1. Matthew 13, verse number 1. To all of my ministerial friends that are here, please indulge me not to have to name you one by one. I've always tried not to do that because every time I do it, I miss somebody. And my good is evil spoken of. I don't want my good to be evil spoken of, but I'm glad you're here. It's a joy to be in church with you. And I appreciate what God is doing in the United Pentecostal Church right now. Matthew 13, verse number 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him. And so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, let me give you a little heads up so you can help me here tonight. I want you to notice the repetition of the word some. Recently I read this and it just kind of leaped out of the pages of the Bible. Everybody say some. Say just some. Now, if you're a beginning preacher, let me give you a lesson in how to get a message. If there is something in the Bible and it's more than one time, you need to study that. Because the Bible couldn't be but so thick and have so many words. And if the Lord repeated it, it means there's something in there of value. If you will search it out, you'll find something of benefit if it is repeated. And when he sowed, everybody say, some. Seeds fell by the wayside and fowls came and devoured them up. Some. Everybody say, some. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell. I think I could say without doing damage to the word of the Lord. But some fell into good ground. Everybody say, just some. Brought forth much fruit. Brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold. Some sixtyfold. Psalm 34 Who hath ears to hear Let him hear Let him hear I want to use this selection of scripture this evening To bring to you my ministry My positioning and posturing in the body of Christ For all these years Has been to try to position the body For the ultimate blessing You may not get the ultimate blessing here tonight. But I want to take this message and move you toward a potential posturing and placement where every dream you have can become a reality. Wherever revival you've ever wanted, you can have. For every blessing you can possess. I think it's the will of God that all of us reach our full potential in God. Whatever that is. Some 30, some 60, some 100. Whatever it is. And so my goal tonight, in the Old Testament, prophets were referred to as seers. S-E-A-R-S, seers. They were seers, or S-E-E-R-S, I'm not sure. right Seers. Which meant, they saw stuff. They could just see stuff. And so I am on a, I'm on a crusade, I'm on a mandate, I'm on a march to try to see where we can better position ourselves to be the church that God wants us to be. Especially our young people that are in this audience tonight and what a great crowd of young people it is. And pastors, I'm so glad you're here. The Bible said, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to tell you what I think the Spirit is speaking to us out of this selection of scripture this evening. Everybody say some. some. Just some. Just some. An imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. An imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. Would you clap your hands and celebrate the goodness of God for just a moment? And you may be seated. My goal, my object, my target is to attack what is hindering, haltering, and perhaps holding up the body of Christ at this present moment for the fulfillment of the prophetical word, for the fulfillment of individual dreams, corporate mandates, what we have felt from God but yet have not. Received it. So I would like to expose to you perhaps the greatest mistake and misrepresentation that is restricting our growth. Everybody say it's just a lie. lie. It's just a lie. What is restricting our growth, limiting the advancement of His kingdom and shrinking the expansion of truth in this present day apostolic church? By my observation, now I've had the Holy Ghost since I was 13 years old. Wow. So I have been privileged to grow in this church, in the United Pentecostal Church. I have viewed it in my beginnings from some of the most humble, awkward, backward, unskilled, ungifted, lackluster presentations of truth you could ever imagine. I've seen it in embarrassing ways. But that's not our problem tonight. Our problem tonight is that the church that we're a part of has become groomed and prepared and accustomed to excellence. Total excellence. Total beauty. Total exaggerated excessive measures of superior advancement. To such an extent... That we have come to a period where I feel like we are paralyzed because we feel like we do not have perfection. We are paralyzed because we feel, and these young men, young ladies hear me, that they feel an intimidation. I remember preaching when I first started, like I said, when we, we hardly had any real great intelligent preachers in Pentecost. But now it's doctor this and doctor that and doctor the other. and Every article in our periodicals are written by doctor so-and-so and doctor so-and-so. And they've graduated from this graduate school. And, and now they have this superior presentation of what the gospel is all about. Until the thing that's hindering us and halting us is a general intimidation about what we can do for God until we reach that ultimate place of perfection. So let me tell you, the devil wants to distract us. It's his design to try to convince us that we're just not presently perfectly prepared, that we're inadequate, that we're insufficient regarding the necessary element of excellence, and we're incompletely packaged for the required peak performance. My text indicates with exaggeration and repetition, not 100%, not excellence, Not perfection. Not all encompassing. Less than excellent. Just, just some. There never was a 100%. There never was a completion. There never was a perfection. It was just some. Everybody say some. There never was a total complete success or excellence regarding a return on what was invested. The enemy wants us to remain stale, stagnant, and uninvolved until we attain a fictitious, mystical, 100% rating and record. He wants us to believe that impeccable excellence, superior strategy, cutting-edge level of skill and gifting is waiting somewhere over the rainbow in a pot of magic dust when inhaled, hell will transform us into a perfect vessel of God. That, brothers and sisters, is absolutely hell's hogwash. History reveals that our God has never requested or required brilliance, the brightest, or the best. They took knowledge of them. That they were ignorant. And they were unlearned. Do you know the people that turned our world upside down were ignorant and they were unlearned. God does never require that he have the majority or the advantage to accomplish his work and his will on earth. Never has. Never has. Somebody shout, never has. We don't have to have a multi-million dollar building. We don't have to have a degree behind our names. That's okay. We don't have to be an excellent, proficient, professional, anything. God will just take whatever we can give him. And he will work with it. Now it's a shame that an old guy like that runs the aisle and the young boy's watching. But he'll take an imperfect something that beats a perfect nothing. Everybody shout, an imperfect something is better. Than a perfect nothing. God asked Moses in Exodus 4 and 2. He said. And the Lord said to him. What is that in thine hand? And he said. A rod. What is that in thy hand? What's handy. God was saying. Is all I need. What you have. In your hand. Is enough. To do the work God was saying do you have any idea What I'm about to do With what is in your hand Exodus 4:21. And the Lord said unto Moses When thou goest to return to Egypt See that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh Which I have put in thy hand But I will harden his heart That he shall not let my people go God said wonders Are in Your hand I want to tell you, your revival is as close as whatever's in your hand. Whatever is in your hand, don't think it's inferior. Don't think it's less than what you need. Don't think it won't get the job done. It's simply what we have in our hands. To Samson, it was just the jawbone of a donkey. To Shamgar, it was an ox goat. To Joshua, it was a stroll around Jericho's walls with a brass band accompanying him and some remarkable light effects with Jews shouting. What Joshua gave Jericho was a sight and sound show. And it brought the walls down. To Elijah, it was just a mantle in his hand. God never, hear this, God never needed or employed giants to kill shepherds, but found great joy in using shepherds to kill giants. And I want to say this, I don't mean to be a smart head, don't act like I know better more than anybody else, but I just want to say this. Sometimes we're introducing somebody, trying to be nice to them, trying to come, oh, he is a giant among us. He is a giant among us. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will read your Bible, there is no history where any giant was ever on God's side. Giants were never on God's side because God gets more joy out of taking a pygmy and destroying a giant. With Jesus, it was anointed mud balls that set the stage for the supernatural when he placed them into the sockets of the blind man because an imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. Nothing. I think we need to revisit God's artillery box. It seems we've lost our way and catch a glimpse again of His desired and designed weapons of choice. Look with me at it right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Everybody say, not many. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. I don't mean to be ugly. I don't mean to be rough. But I want to tell you what God called you. He didn't need Einstein. He doesn't need a prolific public speaker. He doesn't need a genius that's born with all mental awareness. What God needs is somebody that will say, I can't do it without you. I'm nothing without you. I have no ability without you. I need you in my life. I need your power. Turn around and say, You're what he's looking for. You're what he's looking for. You may be seated. When God called me to preach in that time when I was debating my call, trying to surrender to the call of God, trying to discern if it was the call of God. I'll tell you in all honesty, in that final prayer meeting, when I acknowledged that God was calling me, and I said to Him, God, I was 17 years old, God, if You're calling me to preach, with tears, I said, You're making a bad mistake. Because I absolutely have nothing to offer to you. I have nothing that will advantage you. I have nothing that will help you. I have nothing that will bless you. And it seemed that God said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. That is exactly who I am looking for. I'm not looking for somebody that when a miracle happens, everybody thinks it was his hand. I'm looking for somebody that will know, I did it. I did it. And he'll get the glory. He'll get the praise. He'll get the honor. Everybody shout that no flesh. That no flesh should glory in his presence. God loves it when everybody says, God did it. God did it. God did it. it. And he's looking for somebody here tonight that he can do it again. He can do it again. He can do it again. But it's going to have to be somebody that will rise to their feet and say an imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. you tonight, it's time to quit apologizing it's time to quit self-debilitating it's time to quit being our own adversary it's time to get out of our own way it's time to quit saying I'm I'm insufficient, it's time to quit saying I'm inadequate it's time just to say God this is all I got but it's just some, but you can do it with some, you don't have to have perfection I'm going to give you what I can give I'm going to do what I can do. And ladies and gentlemen, we can shake this part of Missouri. If everybody would just start doing what you can do. The Bible said, he hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The Bible says that he is our sufficiency. He is our sufficiency. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But he did not stop there. We talk too much about what we don't have. We celebrate too much about what we don't have. What we can't do. But I'm going to tell you what he's given us. Is more than enough. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is a revival. In the name of Jesus, there are miracles. He's given us what we need if we will. But you, let me preach to you what I see. We really need right now. It's not perfection. It's not intelligence. It's not giftedness. It's not skillfulness. It's not a rich iconic heritage where we've inherited all this stuff. What we need is this. The kingdom of God. Suffer violence. And the violent take it by force. A real revival is not going to be given to you. You got to take it. A real ministry is not going to be given to you. You got you to take it. The Bible said to lay lay hands or to get a grip on salvation. Get a firm grip on it. And the Bible said you press your way into the kingdom. Too many folks are laying back waiting on entitlement. They got the idea of the rich young ruler who said to Jesus, what must I do? But that's not the issue. The issue was he said to inherit. To inherit. You know what his problem was? He had an inheritance mentality because it's really rare that you see a rich, young ruler. A ruler that is young. A ruler that is rich. How did he become a rich, young ruler? He inherited it. Somebody just gave it to him. He was in the line to receive it. But we must not sit back as professional Pentecostals in this modern generation and just think we're entitled to a church. We're entitled to a revival. We're entitled to a ministry. God's still looking for some young men and young ladies who have great passion. Who have great passion. Who have great passion. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And the scripture goes on to say. What's going to bring this to pass? The zeal. Of the Lord. Shall bring it to pass. There's nothing you need more. Than just a fiery passion for God. Blessed are they that do hunger. And thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Not everybody's gonna have revival, but everybody that walks, it's gonna have revival. Everybody that lives for it's gonna have revival. Everybody that sails out for it is gonna have revival. as a young pastor starting a church in Raleigh with five people I had an incredible passion to see the church blessed and to grow I was sitting in the parking lot of big denominational churches and I would cry and tell God this ain't right we're on this little dark church on the other side of town nobody knows who we are where we are this ain't right we're preaching truth we got the Holy Ghost we know who you are they need to be packing our buildings out. Everybody say, they ought to be packing our buildings out. If they really knew who we are and what we have, our buildings would be overflowing. Because I don't know how many of you believe it or not, but I'm here to tell you, we've got the answer to the world. We've got the message for this messy age. It is a messy age, but we have the message for this messy age. Everybody ought to get the Holy Ghost. Everybody ought to be baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody ought to come to our church. shout Everybody ought to come to our church. Every sinner in our town ought to come to our church. The mayor ought to come to our church. The police chief ought to come to our church. Everybody, the gutter, from the gutter to the to the mansion. Clap your hands and shout amen. Man, I was so passionate. I'd get in my car, and about 15 minutes later, I'd say, Where am I going? I was just burning. I was just burning. I went somewhere, and I heard about a church that advertised their church in the city Christmas parade by putting a float in the parade. I thought, That's a Good idea. I want some exposure here. I want some exposure. So I went downtown and I talked to the man that was over the Better Business Bureau who was the head of the Raleigh Christmas Parade, the capital city of North Carolina. Set up an appointment, went in. Sir, I'd like to talk to you. Yes, sir. I'm Pastor Huntley from the First United Pentecostal Church here in Raleigh and I'm sure he didn't know who in the world that was or what that was. I said, but some of my friends in other cities and states have floats in the parade. I would like to have a float in the Raleigh Christmas Parade. He said, Reverend, I don't know about that. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. This ain't really about Christmas. He said, this parade's not really about Christmas. It's about businesses making money. It's a merchandising parade. That's advertisement for business. That's all. He said, we have never, ever had a church in the Raleigh Christmas Parade. But he said, I'll tell you what i do. I'll meet the board, and I'll give you an answer shortly. And I left. And the great man of faith that I am, I thought, well, that's over. I'll never hear that again. About a week later, he said, Pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, the board said, you are welcome to have a float in the parade. Now this was 40, and 45 years ago. And so if you would have seen our float, we made it. There were no professional floats for us. To, to, later on, we started renting professional floats. We made our own. It was a, just a flatbed trailer. Had a big old box on it with a bow on it. And it said, the Holy Ghost, God's gift to you. And we start lining up to get in the parade. The truck that was supposed to come pull the thing didn't show up. So a guy had another little Datsun pickup truck. He came and we were trying to hook it up, and get it on there. As I hooked it up, the, thing, the the hitch fell on my finger and busted it wide open, cut it open. I found some paper towels, I wrapped it up. And the man that was driving said, you, you can't do this pastor, you're bleeding, you're cut. I said, let's go, drive. And I've come down the big Raleigh Christmas parade, television everywhere, thousands of people, 150,000 people on the street It's going all over the state. Here comes this little pickup truck pulling a little awkward-looking, ugly-looking package that says the Holy Ghost, God's gift to you. When we entered that parade, as we came down the street, people started hollering, Holy Ghost! Holy Ghost! They started clapping their hands. Holy Ghost! Holy Ghost! It's something was so inferior. It was something so embarrassing. It was so, so less than professional. You wouldn't even think about doing it. But the, Raleigh's First United Pentecostal Church was the first church in history to have a float in that parade. Then we started having professional floats. And the leaders of the parade said, since you were the first, every parade must start where the First United Pentecostal Church is floating. You're first... Santa Claus is last. It would have been easy to say, oh, this is embarrassing. This is not professional. This is not excellent. This is less than what we want. But I found out an imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. We're going to do what we can with what we have and you will find out that God will bless you. Our little church was packed and overflowing. Couldn't get anybody else in it. I want to keep growing. So I came with this idea. We called it end time Pentecostal revival. It was just Sunday morning service. We used to move to the elementary school so we'd have bigger crowds. We had Wednesday night in our building, but Sunday morning we were in the school auditorium. And so I had a man paint a big sign. I hung it right over the freeway. End time, Pentecostal crusade. Gardner Elementary School. And had the hours. I didn't think about getting permission. <laughs> I didn't think about getting the permit. One time someone asked the Salvation Army, how do you all get these great locations to ring the bell and take up the offer? Your money, how do you do that? How do you get permission? They said, we don't. They said forgiveness is easier than permission. I wish this church would get wild again with passion and push the envelope. Make them tell you you can't come in that trailer park. Make them tell you you can't knock those apartment doors. Make them tell you you can't pass out tracks in the Walmart parking lot. It's time for us to get some passion about a world that's lost. I'm going to get a little rough right here. I'll quickly move on. we got to get victory over waiting on transfers to move in. And we got to get victory over proselyting from our brother's church. There's a world out there that's lost if a church will just do what you can with what you have. Shout, quit waiting. Quit waiting. The devil's lied to you. You're not five years from revival. It can happen now. So, a number of years ago, I found out in the state of North Carolina that we had 50 counties without a church. And that's why I became district superintendent. I mean, it's like one day I woke up, boom. Man, we have 50, there's a hundred counties in North Carolina, 50 of them has no apostolic witness. I'm staying in the booming metropolitan community called Pickett. Pickett. you know, like, big guy. But Pickett. That's where we're staying. Because they have big-time hotels over there they don't have over here. (laughs) So I'm driving in, following Brother Willard to our hotel where we're going to be staying. at a bed and breakfast transformed out of a bank downtown where we're going to be staying during this meeting. And I said, there's First United Pentecostal Church. Yes. They're everywhere. All over this place. North Carolina has 50 counties without a United Pentecostal Church. So, God put a passion in my heart. I can't go to judgment day having not tried to do something about that. I'm not ready to stand before God, hear him say, Why did you do something? I didn't have a perfect plan. Well, I I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have excellence. I I don't I don't have the great strategy. I don't have, have the great skill. So I said, God, we got to do something. Got to do something. Somebody shout yes. You know, invention is the mother of necessity. Is when you got to do something when you feel like I can't do it. I wish God would get this church back to a place where we feel like we got to win the lost. We have got to reach our city. We have got to reach our neighbors. We have got to reach our school kids. We've got to reach our drug addicts. We've got to reach those that are lost in doctrinal error. A necessity. That's why Paul said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And so I came up with a little idea. We're going to call it Carolina Crusades. We're going to go to 10 counties that have not a United Pentecostal church. 10 different counties. We're going to church in each one of those counties to sponsor crusade in that county. And on one Saturday, we're going to have 10 crusades in a day. And we're going to leave 10 preaching points in one day. I started pushing that idea. And almost everybody I talked to told me why it wouldn't work that's an inferior plan it will not work i like what a pastor friend told me one time he said he was telling his church about a building fund program that they were going to have and raise so much money and when he got through telling the church about it a man stormed to the platform when he got off and said that ain't going to work yeah. the pastor said Well, where were you standing? Where were you when you came to the answer, that ain't going to work? He said, I was standing right over there. He said, well, let me tell you where I was when God said it would work. I was on my knees praying. And so the first year we had 10 crusades in one day, 10 different locations across our state. Over 500 people were filled with the Holy Ghost in one day. We established 10 preaching points in one day. The next year we did it again. We established 10 preaching points in one day. And they're still telling me why it won't work. It can't work. It ain't going to work. I'll share one mighty miracle from you for you in that thing that wouldn't work. We were having a Spanish crusade and an English crusade at the same time. To establish a Spanish church and an English church in the same city. And while we were on this part territory, the Spanish pastor's wife had prepared food to feed 250 people. There was at least a thousand people on the ground that day. And during the time that she was serving the food, she came running to where I was sitting with some other preachers under the tent. And she said, "Pastor Huntley, her eyes were that big." Pastor Huntley, I gotta tell you something. What is it? What is it? She said, "I personally prepared this food, and I know that it was enough to serve two hundred and fifty people." She said, "We have just counted our last person, and it was seven hundred people." She said, "When we got to two fifty, I quit looking in the pot. I just kept dipping." if he can break bread and feed 5,000. If somebody will just step out with an imperfect plan, he will do perfect works. And now it's a text manual for launching churches, daughter works, preaching points, not just in North Carolina, not just in North America, but it's all over the world. It's imperfect. But God doesn't demand perfection. Hey, stand with me just a moment. There's kids here that can be Sunday school teachers. There's kids here that can be Bible study teachers. There's kids here that can be prayer warriors. You don't have to have a degree to pray. You don't have to have a degree to pass out brochures. You don't have to have a degree to work for God. But you do have to have a passion. your hand on somebody say God give them a passion set them on fire your church is good enough your building is good enough your little choir may be five people but it's good enough your musicians are better than most people's in the world. Our little group sings every places, and everybody says, my Lord, I never heard such, they, they don't realize the anointing is on them. They don't realize the power of God's on them. I'm saying, quit disqualifying yourself. Well, I'm not, I'm not just quite there yet. Well, I got a message for you. the devil will see that you never get there. Those four lepers said, and musicians can come, I'll quit right here. Four, the four lepers were sitting there, died with leprosy. And one of them said to the other, why sit we here until we die? Another one, one of them had a revelation that said, when shall we be stronger? Tomorrow we're going to be weaker than we are today. Tomorrow, we're going to have less strength than we have today. Tomorrow, we're going to have less ability than we got right now. So the Bible said four lepers. That was a pitiful, imperfect army. Just four. The Bible said they started marching toward the city. I don't know how much marching they were doing. They were just headed toward the city. Oh, somebody shout yes. I just got to tell somebody, revival is not destination, it's a direction. If you'll just get started in that direction. It's not a destination. It's a direction. But I was a meeting one time with Brother Kenneth Haney he was preaching and he read that text and I was sitting there and I never had seen it. He he didn't preach it he just read it. Brother Wilford, have you ever noticed that the Bible said when those four weak anemic, dying, debilitating lepers started going toward the city they were attacking (laughs) the scripture said God Caused the people in the city to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, the noise of armies. Would everybody say, noise? Let me tell you the truth about that story there were no horses, there were no chariots,
0: there were no
1: armies. Four little old guys marching toward the city. But God got so excited about their passion, about their effort, about the fact that they felt like doing something may not be perfect, but it's better than sitting here doing nothing. I'm going to do something. I'm going to start marching. And the Bible said they heard the noise. I want somebody to know all we really need to do sometimes is make some noise. When you start making noise, God will make your enemies retreat. God will make your enemies disappear. God will make your enemies run in terror. Let me say this quickly and I'll quit. Oh, Jesus, help me. There is a strong movement sweeping across the apostolic church to extinguish the fire and to cool the wind. In other words, to dumb down the apostolic church to where that running is made fun of, shouting is criticized, dancing is humiliated. I'm here to preach to you tonight. That's exactly what we need to do. Make some noise. And if you will make some noise, God will confuse your enemies. God will defeat your enemies. When you get to where you're going, you'll find out everything you need is there and there is nothing to stop you. We can take this part of Missouri. You can take your city. You can take your community. Everybody shout, an imperfect something is better than a perfect nothing. Oh, I, Come on, I give him
0: some praise. praise. And let's make to some noise. And I gotta get it out. I gotta